Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who always wants to play video games and keeps trying to get me to buy an Xbox or some kind of gaming system. I don't know if he's ever going to convince me, but his name is Brandon Siegel. Brandon, how you doing? I'm doing well. Eventually, one of these days, Trevor, I'm just going to buy you an Xbox uh, just so we can play games together, you know? Like, you, you're defying our friendship at this point, and you know what? It makes me sad. It's a slap in the face to me. So one of these days, you're just getting an Xbox. It's going to show up at your door, and that's going to be that. And that's going to be enough motivation for you, and I'm gonna just going to invest in it, and it'll be all So great. what if we make a trade? Um, what if we make a trade, Brandon? What if... Why? What's the trade? Okay, so you, you get me an Xbox, and I start playing video games, and then you commit... So going to the gym, if necessary, by yourself, at least three times what a if, week. What if you buy the Xbox then, and then I'll commit to that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> that seems like I'm doing a lot of work there. You, you, but, you but might, you might have point, to throw in a first-round pick or something. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw in a sweetener like third round, but we'll, we'll have to see about that deal. Um, but today we have an excellent episode. Today we have a legend on the episode and that is Noah Bearson, an NBA expert, a basketball expert. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm ready to get rocking. Got some NBA to talk about, do we not? Absolutely. We, we have a lot of NBA to talk about. Trevor has been just, he, he's been wanting to talk about NBA with us for so long, and now we have you on, and he, I, Trevor, I mean, you can speak for yourself. You're, you're elated to have Noah on, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean, whenever I can have someone on, you know, who, who loves the NBA as much as I do, that's always, you know, just, just a great thing. So, yeah, I'm very excited. So, let's start this off. We had the play-in tournament this week. It just wrapped up yesterday. Um, so Trevor, I'll start off with you. Let's let's talk a little bit about the playing tournament. Yeah, so we'll start with uh, we'll we'll start with the um, uh, what game went first? The game that came first was the uh, I don't know the Cavs the Cavs Nets is where I'm going to start. Um, that w- yeah, that was the first game. So Cavs Nets that was the first game on Tuesday of the play-in, and the Cavs you know we we are all are from Northeast Ohio, so the Cavs are kind of like the hometown team. Obviously, Noah, you you're a Cavs fan. Brandon, I, I don't know if he's a Cavs fan. I don't really think he is, to be honest. I think he should be because this Cavs team was very fun all year. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, and, and everyone else. You know, like you can go down the line. The Cavs team's been very fun. I really enjoy watching them, and I've I've enjoyed watching them uh, even the past couple weeks and in these playing games. So. The Nets get the win in this one, 115-108, uh, as expected. But the Cavs, you know, they, they made a little bit of a rally late in the game. They made a rally. Darius Garland had 34 points. He was really good. They were without Jared Allen, so obviously that made it tougher. Um, but, you know, the Cavs, the Cavs played them close. They almost came back, and I think that's, you know, a, a great – uh, a testament to what this Cavs team has been, the way they've been able to fight with J.B. Bickerstaff. He's done an incredible job coaching, you know, um, and I think he's probably got to be, you know, I don't know, top four, top five in coach of the year in the running. Like, he's got to at least be in the mix because this Cavs team has been fo- so fun. But the Nets, they get the win, and, you know, we'll talk about the Nets as we go along. Um, but, Noah, I wanted to hear some of your thoughts um, about this game and maybe just kind of the Cavs season in general because – you know, the Cavs, they, they did lose to the Hawks last night. Um, their season is unfortunately over. But to me, I mean, this is still like a step in the right direction. I mean, for me, I think Cavs fans should be kind of happy with the season. But Noah, what, what do you think about that? No, I definitely agree. I mean, the Cavs got hit by the injury bug, you know, pretty hard towards the end of the season. Garland missed games. Lavert was missing games. Markin and Mobley Allen, their entire, you know, starting five was missing games. And 
<clears throat> anytime in the NBA where you're able to pressure a team and kind of run them off that three-point line like the Cavs were doing, you need to have, you know, rim protection towards the end. And the Cavs had two great rim protectors, an all-star Jared Allen and should-be rookie of the year Evan Mobley. Now, when one of them go, gets hurt, it complicates things a little bit. You know, you don't have that same level of rim protection. I mean, the Cavs had the best rim defense um, all season. I think opponents shot not I think, I know opponents only shot 51, 52% against them at the rim, which, you know, was lowest in the league. When Jared Allen went hurt, that's when they started to slide. You know, he's an, he's an all-star, great rim protector, and even if he's not, you know, getting three, four, two, three, four blocks a game, his presence still affects, um, still affects guys driving in. Overall, I, I agree with you. I think the Cavs showed a lot of promise. I think Darius Garland, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are those pillars, that, the franchise pillars you can build around. You know, Mobley loves being in Cleveland. Jared Allen has a big contract. Darius Garland's going to get a big contract, which he deserves. He took, you know, just focusing on Darius Garland, the, the leaps he took this year just across the board was incredible. He became a true, you know, he had full control of games when he was in the game. His shot making was incredible. Um, you know, he developed into a closer and, the, you know, Jerry Allen developed his back to the basket offense a little bit better. Um, Evan Mobley's shot is going to come again. He's only 19, 20 years old. Karis LeVert was a good wing addition. And, you know, I think the reason Laurie Markinen was able to have such a good season after he was kind of written off after some years in Chicago is because he was never supposed to be, you know, a franchise savior. Cleveland asked him to come in play defense, shoot three, score the ball, which he's seven foot, and they're playing him at the three. He, I think he needs to get better at his back-to-the-basket offense, his post-offense, posting up the mismatches. But I think the reason why he was able to be effective is because, like I said, you know, Cleveland's asking their perimeter players, their scheme is to have their perimeter players press up, run their guys off the three-point line, and if you get beat, you have two seven-foot giants standing in the paint. So I think what they're doing is good. I think they're building a foundation. I think Kevin Love the way he played off the bench for them this year was incredible. Isaac Okoro took steps forward. I think either Okoro needs to take another step forward to be another, a real legitimate three and D wing kind of, you know, a little bit better than Karis LeVert, or I think they need to, you know, draft or, or try and find them on the first round draft pick this year, but try and find somebody um, who can come in. I know they think LeVert can be that guy and he's shown when he's healthy, he can. So I think, you know, either him you know, continuing his up play, Akaro, um, further developing, or just going to get another wing because I think that's that's what they're missing is another wing to to truly be in that upper echelon of um, contenders in the East. Yeah, for sure. And you know, as you kind of talked about, like you know, Garland, Mobley, and Jared Allen, like this is a great. I don't know, you could call it. Well, like there's a two headed monster maybe, and then you have Garland, but like Evan Mobley's a rookie. Darius Garland, I think this is his third year. And then Jared Allen's, I think, still, I don't know, 27, 28. So, like, very young team, a lot of room to grow. Um, and, and I think it's just – I think the future is bright for Cleveland. And I think, you know, Brandon and any other, you know, Cleveland fans or Cavs fans, I think really need to jump onto this Cleveland uh, Cavaliers team because they're, they're very fun. I think I'd be very excited to watch them next year as well. But just kind of, you know, continuing on with this Hawks-Cavs game, the Hawks did get the win – 107, 101, and the Cavs had this game. Like, they had it. They were in the lead for the majority of the game. They were up, you know, 8, 10 points. It seemed like there were multiple points where they could have pulled away, but the Hawks kept hanging around. You know, they kept getting a basket here and there to stop the bleeding, and then when Trey Young got hot, 
Cleveland, uh, you know, had a really delayed reaction in terms of adjusting their defense. Like you saw uh, quite a few times where Laurie Markkinen got switched on to Trey Young. And uh, I mean, it was just, it, he was just making Laurie look bad. It was, it was unfortunate. And then they did start kind of trapping, trapping him near the end after he hit that, that one insane three. I think when Karis LeVert was guarding him, he probably like a 30 footer. Then they started kind of trapping him as soon as he came up the floor a little bit more, uh, doing a good job of in the drop coverage. You know, Jared Allen's not too far back. He's a little bit more up. But, you know, Trey Young, he still had a couple possessions where he found a way to get his floater, you know, 8 to, eight to 10 feet from the floor. So, you know, when Trey Young is at his best, that's what he's capable of, um, you know. And he ended this game with, I think, like 37, 38 points. He was, he was fabulous, and that kind of shows what the Hawks are capable of. But on the other side of it, like, John Collins is, is not here. He's not present for Atlanta. Clint Capella got injured in the game last night. Um, I was just reading reports. It shows that it's not a major injury for Clint Capella. But in their series against the Miami Heat, there you know, there's not really a timetable as to what game he's going to come back. So I think for the Hawks in this series against the Heat, there's definitely some concern there. Uh, but we'll have to see how it, you know, moves forward. Then in the West, you have, obviously, the, the T-Wolves, they get the win. And, you know, everyone's celebrating. Um, and, you know, there was, like, this whole debate about, like, you know, you have the— Did they win the championship? Yeah. I, I saw on Twitter, did they win the—like, honestly, did they win the championship? Because it looked They might like have won it. the championship. And the guys on TNT were, like, making fun of them. And there was this whole debate about, like, should we—like, is it okay to make fun of the T-Wolves for celebrating like this? Or is it wrong because this is a team who, you know, isn't used to winning? They have not been there before. So, I guess, Noah, I wanted to get your take on that, like— as far as the T-Wolves celebrating the way they did, what do you think about that? So before I answer that, I got real quick going back to Trey Young. A lot of, yeah. you know, before Atlanta made their run last year, and even at points this year, the question was, oh, you know, can they hold up with, you know, Trey Young's defensive limitations? People forget Trey Young is really freaking good on offense. He is really good on offense, and sometimes with the skill level, um, that the NBA has now, some of these guys are so unbelievably skilled that sometimes you can play great defense and great offense is just going to prevail. And I think that's where we are right now in this, um, in this era of the NBA. With the Timberwolves, guys, I'm a Cleveland sports fan. I've seen my three teams win one ch- title in 24 years of being on this earth. More often than not, teams don't win in sports. Brandon's been spoiled with the Ravens winning a couple Super Bowls. Um, I, I haven't been spoiled. You're talking to another person who likes small market teams. Well, what do you think? The Orioles are winning every single year? No. But exactly. That helps my point. Teams don't – more often than not, teams don't win in sports. It is hard to win anything, especially in the NBA, like I said. with Right now, this, this, of this skill level of teams is so unbelievably high. Skill level of players even – Right now, it's so unbelievably high. You know, they're they're so good from such a young age. I don't have a problem with it. I think, you know, a lot of it was Patrick Beverly wanting to beat his, his um, old team and kind of make the playoffs. I, mean, playoffs. I mean, he plays with a chip on his shoulder every night. I mean, you hear his story. He was a star in high school. He got to college. Um, you know, there was a scandal or NCAA violation or whatever. He goes to – doesn't get drafted goes to Europe, plays four years, comes back, and, and gets paid. I mean, he's he's an underdog. He plays with a chip on his shoulder, and, you know, young teams need a guy like that. 
I have no problem with it. I mean, you know, watching the game, the crowd was electric. Um, the Timberwolves played, you know, very well. They have a closer in D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Edwards is, is amazing. He's, I'm so excited for that Timberwolves-Grizzly series. No, I don't have oh, a problem with how they celebrate it. I think it's awesome for sports. I think the TNT guys doing it is different because you have two of the 75 greatest members in NBA history and Shaq and Kenny. Shaq's won rings. Chuck's been to the finals. Kenny's won rings. So, I mean, they're able to act, you know, have that mantra, you know, act, have some class, act like you've been there before. You can't say that to the Timberwolves because they've never been there before. They're, this young group is growing yeah. up. I had no, absolutely no problem with how they acted. So, so I, I have two things to say here. I, I, I think I think there is room to, to kind of poke fun at it for sure because, like, it is kind of a ridiculous concept to to be celebrating a playing game. However, let's think about it from their perspective. That is the biggest game they've played this year. They were not going to be in the playoffs if they lose those games. You know, They haven't made so the like, playoffs since 2018. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004. When you're a small market team like that, you got, and you're a young team, a small market team, a young team, it'd be one thing if it's like, you know, this was their second year in the play and their second year making the playoffs. This, this is a step in the right direction. I mean, they make the playoffs. Now they make to the playoffs, you know, next year, the next couple of years, and they know how to act. They know how to carry themselves. I think this was a one-time thing for for this team. I, I will say it was it was very funny, like the little clip of like Patrick Beverly celebrating and Cat uh, is kissing Jordan Woods and like <laughs> this like a five-second clip. Like it, it really does look like they won the championship. And then you look and it's like, oh, you beat the Clippers with, right? They didn't have Paul George too, right? No, they, they did. George. They did. Paul George didn't play last year. Oh, they did. Game. They did. Yeah, for that game they. Had um, so it, it was kind of funny to see that. I was like, "What? What's going on here? They like, you know, do some crazy. But they just want to play." Yeah, and and so I see both sides. Yeah, I see both sides as well. And I think like also I the game because the game was great as well. Which you know we, we don't have all day to talk about the game, but the game was also great. And I think you know this was a great example of like everything that's great about the NBA, like the theater of the NBA. Not only was the game great, not only was it you know, down to the wire late in the game, but you, you have the emotion, you have the drama with the team winning and celebrating and, you know, social media. I mean, NBA Twitter is a huge thing, like, uh, you know, on social media. And that's, you know, just another reason why the NBA is so great. But uh, we did get the Pelicans then. They played the Clippers and they did win. Obviously, the Clippers did not have Paul George, which was very, very unfortunate. You could definitely reasonably say that with Paul George, they totally might have won. I think they probably would have. But nevertheless, the Pelicans are there. They have, you know, had a great rally, really, at the end of the season. They didn't start the season very well, and their record isn't very good. But they did end the season really well in, in playing with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram on this kind of new version of the Pelicans since the trade deadline. It's been very interesting. Um, and obviously I'm a huge CJ McCollum fan. He's from, uh, the three, three Oh, the Canton area. He's from Ohio. So I root for him for that reason. And then Brandon Ingram, I mean, he had a standout game against the Clippers, 30 points. He shot, you know, efficiently from, from the floor. And I'm really excited to see the Pelicans get in there. I don't think they're going to pose a challenge to Phoenix as we'll, we'll talk about here shortly, but you know, it's, it's a good story and I am glad to see the Pelicans in there. Uh, but Noah, did you have anything, any thoughts on this game before we get into the uh, uh, the preview for each matchup? Only thing I'll say about the Pelicans, CJ McCollum's shot making has always been on another level, and he has an opportunity to showcase it here um, in New Orleans. Um, Brandon Ingram has an opportunity to go 
from that rarefied star to, to superstar status um, with some incredible playoff performances. And I think Herb Jones is really going to pop onto the scene. I've been following him since last year at Alabama. Um, he was SEC player of the year and defensive player of the year. He had some incredible plays against um, the Spurs in that first playing game. But I think Herb Jones can really make a name for himself. And I think, you know, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram's shot making is going to be on display. Um, that's all I got on the Pelicans. It's going to be a good series. Yeah, absolutely. So here as we kind of get into, you know, each playoff series now, we're going to kind of go through each series. Um, and I, I have my predictions. I don't know if you guys want to give your predictions, but I, I made series predictions before the podcast. I, I got some predictions. Okay, cool. Mine are less serious than okay. yours, but I got predictions. <laughs> All right, cool. So we'll just go. We'll start in the East. We'll do the East first, then we'll go to the West. So the first series, uh, the one seed, the Miami Heat against the eight seed Atlanta Hawks. Now, I have the Heat taking this series in five games. I think when you have Trey Young, despite not having Collins and you know the uncertainty with Clint Capella, I think they'll manage to get one game. Um, but if, if any team is, you know, I guess kind of designed to slow down what Trey Young does well, I think the Miami Heat are one of the best teams equipped to do so with the switchable defenders they have. Yes, maybe you can hunt a guy like Tyler Hero on occasion, like sure, you know, Tyler Hero has some defensive limitations, but other guys like Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo is maybe the best switchable defender in the NBA. Like he can probably switch one through five, and he has a real case to be defensive player of the year. Bam Adebayo has been incredible um, for Miami. So it's going to be a good matchup. It's it's definitely interesting because Trey Young always poses a threat, but I do, um, I do feel good about how the Heat are going to be able to kind of counter what he does well, especially – with no Collins and, and, you know, the uncertainty with Capella. Um, now the Heat, uh, their late game offense is probably the one thing that I've been thinking about all season. And that's as we get, you know, if they beat Atlanta and as they move forward in the playoffs, if they do, that's like my biggest question. So like the late game offense, because they don't have like a Kevin Durant, a Jason Tatum, a Chris Paul, one of these guys that can get you any kind of bucket, whether it's a jump, a mid-range jumper, a three-point, a three-point shot, like, whatever it is, like, they don't really have that guy. Like, Jimmy Butler is, like, a 19% three-point shooter. Tyler Hero, he showed at times he can, you know, he can get you buckets when you need them. But it's, you know, it, it's not all the time. He's still young. He's still developing his game. And then, like, Kyle Lowry, he can be that guy on certain nights. But I think it's just a matter of they don't have the one guy that you're automatically, like, yes, like, this is the guy that's going to take over and win you a game. So that's the one question I've had about the Heat all year. But I do like how they've kind of rallied from, you know, the the bench altercation with Jimmy Butler and Spo, where they were arguing over their dinner plans. Um, you know, so I think that it's going to be an interesting series. But I do have the Heat uh, winning this one in five. Uh, Noah, we'll go to you. Uh, what do you think about the series? I think you. I think some of the points you made right there were valid. I think you know you have a team who their their core has been to a finals. Um, granted, it was the bubble finals, but they've still been to the finals. Um, someone like Kyle Lowry, who's been to the finals and has won a ring, he he's going to be their go-to in in closing situations. He knows what it takes to win. Um, once you've won a ring, you kind of get you know you get moved to that rarefied status where okay, he knows what it takes. He can coast in the regular season. He knows he can turn it on in the playoffs. And I think Kyle Lowry has reached that that rarefied air where you know what it's winning time Kyle Lowry is going to make the right play he's going to make the winning plays 
Um, Jimmy Butler is always going to make the winning plays. He's going to sell out. Um, I, I do think that the Heat have that guy. I just don't think Atlanta um, is physical enough or, you know, mentally – not mentally tough, but I just don't think they have – you know, they're going to have that energy to get over the hump against a, a very good Heat team that might be the most, you know, disrespected one seed of all time. Everybody's talking about Milwaukee <laughs> and everybody else, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly in in the East, and they're completely neglecting the the Heat are the number one seed. I mean, the East is so close of a race, but I, you know, going back to the Heat, you know, just about them. I think Kyle Lowry will 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 elevate his gameplay and be be that closer for them. Yeah, I'm. I've been a big Kyle Lowry fan, you know, since he's gotten to Miami. I I just. I've, I really love Kyle Lowry as a player. Every, everything he can do from his leadership to, you know, his late game shot making. He's just, you know, he's just a joy to root for. Uh, but Brennan, what about you? What do you, what do you think about the series? So I, I think the Hawks will put up a good fight. Uh, I, I tend to dislike my, my NBA opinions normally just kind of emulate off of you, Trevor, at this point. Uh, and like whenever I talk to Greg about my opinions, he, he hates them. Cause he's like, how could you not think this, this, whatever. I don't care. I, I'll take the Heat in six. Uh, I think they, the, the Hawks will put up a little bit better of a fight uh, than, than you think, but it, I think the Heat will, will take this one semi-easily. Uh, and I'm, I, I'm interested. So, Noah, you think the Heat are one of the more underrated one-seeds we've seen? Absolutely. I mean... Interesting. I mean, no one's really talking about them as the threats come out of the East. I understand that, you know, I personally think it's going to be Milwaukee if I'm skipping ahead a few segments. My bad. Um, I think it's going to be Milwaukee coming out of the East. I just think that. No, you just said you just said Milwaukee this, Milwaukee that, and you're like Milwaukee's going to come out of the East. But I still think I mean no one's really talking about the Heat. They won 54 games. They have three you know All Star caliber players, four All Star caliber players if you count Tyler Hero with Lowry Butler and Adebayo. But at a, at a certain point in those slow it down, grind it out games, Milwaukee has shown that you know. They, they have trust in Chris Middleton. Giannis is okay, you know, being a, a screener in those situations. They have shooters around them. Um, but, you know, again, no one's talking about Milwaukee or Miami. Miami can go ahead and beat the Sixers. I think Miami is, you know, the second or third best team in the East. But they – there I go, disrespecting the one seed. So, I think I just think that <laughs> I yes. just went on all sorts of tangents. Yeah, so I understand exactly what you're saying, Noah, because if, just for context, if you look at like the odds, the Miami have the fourth best odds in the East to win the title. Uh, Milwaukee, Boston, and Brooklyn all have better odds than them. Uh, Boston, which, another team that can make a run. My God, I completely yeah. forgot about them. <laughs> yeah, so they have the fourth best odds, and they're the one seed. So I understand where you're coming from, uh, for sure. So let's move on to the next series now. I think this is going to be a really interesting one, and I was, I was – I'm not. I, I was close to picking the Raptors. I'm not gonna do it. I'm gonna pick the 76ers in seven games. But I really thought hard about it, and I think that, you know, I think in in one segment of NBA media, I think this has become like a little bit of a popular pick where people are starting to pick the Raptors now, and the way the Raptors are playing lately, like I don't I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, they just played uh, in their last matchup. I think was like a week or two ago, and the Raptors did beat the Philadelphia 76ers. And this wasn't like this wasn't just like a throwaway game for the 76ers. It's not like they were resting their players. Like that was an important game for the 76ers in terms of playoff seeding. Where if they would have beaten the Raptors, they potentially could be the two seed today. 
but the Raptors beat them in that game where both teams were going all out. And, I mean, the Raptors, they've really been on a run now. They've been hot over the past few months. Pascal Siakam has made this, like, late uh, All-NBA case. You know, I, I know that there's some people that are putting him on third third team All-NBA. He definitely has a case for that because he's been awesome, um, you know, trying to prove his doubters wrong. And you have Scotty Barnes, a guy who, between him and Evan Mobley, one of those guys is the rookie of the year. Scotty Barnes has been awesome. Um, I, I certainly did not expect Scotty Barnes to be as good as he has been as a rookie already. Like, I, I knew that the defense was there. I knew that defensively he's going to be a nightmare for, you know, other teams' uh, players on offense. But I didn't expect that he would have this immediate impact offensively. It's been really impressive to see from Scotty, and he's a fun player to watch as well. So the Raptors are going to be a, a big threat to Philly. They could take the series, but I am going to go with Philly. They have Joel Embiid at the end of the day, despite— just looking at James Harden's numbers this season, particularly in fourth quarters, like if you go and you look at like James Harden game logs, and then if there's a way where you can specifically look at the fourth quarters, like his fourth quarters have been bad, uh, you know, lately in the past month or so, even with Philly, there was this whole, you know, thought experiment that people were doing about like, is it that James Harden's just kind of dogging it in Brooklyn because he wants to force his way to Philly? And once he gets to Philly, he's going to be the James Harden that we knew from 2019. He's just going to be awesome. Or is this really him now? Is it, you know, is the fact that he doesn't seem to take good enough care of his body, his health, as, you know, certain other players do, is that going to catch up to him now where he's getting into his 30s now, 31, 32? Is this starting to catch up to him now? In the last couple months, I think I've proven the latter. Uh, you know, and we'll see in the playoffs. Maybe he can revert. Maybe he still can revert back to that same James Harden that we saw a couple of years ago that was unbelievable. But I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I think that right now, the way he's been playing, he's not getting to the free throw line enough. I'm a little concerned about how James Harden's going to do in the playoffs in this series in particular. But I do still have Philly winning it because Joel Embiid has just been on another level. He's, he's taken another step up. From last season, if that was even possible, as great as he was last year, he's even better this year on defense, on offense. Like, he's hitting more jumpers. I think he's shooting, like, 36% from three or something like that. It's something wild for a center. So, Joel Embiid is is the main reason why I'm giving Philly the nod here. Uh, Brandon, what what do you think about this series? What What's your uh, prediction? Uh, I'm going with the Sixers in seven, and, and for the same reason you just said, they have Joel Embiid and the Raptors do not. Uh, and ultimately, that's kind of how the NBA is uh, today. If you have one of the better stars in the league, you have a higher chance of winning. Uh, it's that simple. Um, and while the Raptors are good, uh, for sure, just like you just said, they, they beat them like really, really recently. Um, but I got the Sixers in seven. All right, Noah? All I'll say, since the James Harden trade, Philadelphia has the worst transition defense in the NBA. Opponents are scoring at a 65% clip in transition against Philly. That's all I'll say. Who's next? <laughs> so are you, are you, <laughs> you picking the Raptors to take series? <laughs> I, I think this is a very wide open series. I think Philly yeah. not having Matisse Thybul when they play in Toronto is going to yeah. hurt. And you look at those lineups that Nick Nurse is able to throw out there, Siakam and Anobi. Barnes, Gary Trent Jr., and Fred Van Vliet. That's a scary lineup. They play five out. Embiid is, is up there as one of the premier defenders in the NBA. But when you have someone like Harden who's not invested in defense, um, you know, 
you have someone who on the other side, Matisse Thibel, when they're playing in Philly, who's not a good offensive player um, from where they need him to be, the, the corner threes. Um, it, it's dangerous. I think this is a series Toronto very well can win in, in six games. Um, but that's not my prediction because I, I have elevated myself in my head mentally to the point where I know too much and anything I say can or will not be true. I, I don't believe <laughs> in predictions anymore. <laughs> I gotcha. All right. So uh, with that being said, let's move on to the next series. We got a uh, box and bulls, the three seed Milwaukee box and the six seed Chicago bulls. And, you know, I live in the Chicago area now. I talked to a lot of Chicago Bulls fans, and it's just, it's kind of sad at this point. Like, Bulls fans are just, they're kind of they're kind of distraught with how this season has ended. And it's really unfortunate, because similar, I guess you could argue, similar to the Cavs, like, the injury bug has kind of hit them at the wrong time. Alonzo Ball, you know, hasn't been able to return. Caruso is back now. Um, but, you know, I guess trying to put it together this late, um, and then still without one of your key pieces in Lonzo Ball, it's really difficult, I think, for the Bulls. And ultimately for me, like every time I watch the Bulls, one of the things that, you know, I talk to, you know, my Chicago Bulls, Chicago Bulls fans about is like Nikola Vucevic, like, you know, him, him in the paint as a rim protector, you know, when people drive in, like, it's it's like a free lane at times, like, you know, if you have Jason Tatum or Giannis in this series, like driving in the lane, and you're a Bulls fan, you have to rely rely on like Nikola Vucevic to slow down Giannis. Like, that's not good. That's not good at all. Um, it, it's really unfortunate. But I'm picking a sweep. I am. I, I think the Bucks are going to sweep the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, the Bulls ha- have a very bad record against some of the best teams. I don't know if they've beaten the Bucks all season, to be honest. And I don't think they will beat the Bucks in this series at all. Um, you know, I, I just think Giannis is going to be too much. It's a matchup nightmare. Um, you know, this is really the worst possible matchup the Bulls could have gotten. If they got, you know, like, well, I don't know. Philly would have been, I guess, a tough one, too. Maybe if they get Boston without Robert Williams, that's at least something where you can mm-hmm. look at it like, okay, they're guarding Jason Tatum. Yes, that's very difficult. But I think it's at least uh, you have a better chance than against someone like Giannis who – you know, gets to the basket like at will whenever he wants against someone like Vucevic. So I think it's gonna be a very difficult series for Chicago, and I I have a sweep in this one. What do you think, Noah? I mean, Chicago's own fourteen, own fifteen against the top um, top four teams in the East, and I don't I don't think that changes. I mean, the whole problem all year was can they defend consistently when they had Lonzo Ball and Caruso? They were defending consistently. Caruso and Ball get injured, their defense takes a drop off. I think it's as simple as that. I agree it's going to be a sweep. All right, Brandon. Sweep. Bucks and four. <laughs> this will be an easy one. I like Giannis. I, you know, just like, no, I like Milwaukee coming out of the East. I'm going to disrespect the Heat, too. Bucks and four. All right. <laughs> so, um... Let's go to this next series now. Now, I, I've been starting every time. So, Noah, I want to hear your thoughts on this series first because I'm really interesting. I mean, this is the best series of the first round. Celtics-Nets. I mean, I'm just so excited for this series. It's going to be awesome. Um, and I'm always, I always am very interested to hear different people's opinions on this series. I, I love reading on Twitter and hearing people's thoughts. So, Noah, what do you think about this series? I was listening to Ryan Russillo talk the other day, and, and he watched every single Celtics game throughout the year. He's from Boston. His first sports job was in Boston. And he said during that first half or whatever, um, 
you know, when Boston was playing 500 basketball. You know, you watched Tatum play, and he wasn't really making the, the right plays. You know, guys were, were throwing, you know, teams were throwing double teams at him, making making the ball get out of his hands, and there wasn't, you know, it, the, the right play wasn't coming. I, and then once Boston, you know, flipped the script, and in the second half of the season, they've probably been the best team in the league. Tatum's figured it out. He 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 um, he understands what defenses are going to do at him, and he understands what's going to be available. Um, I think his mindset has changed, um, and I also think he's kind of, you know, moving into that upper echelon now, where he's you know he's 24, 25. You know, he's finally reaching that All NBA potential that he showed right before COVID and in spots in the bubble, and you know, last year I think it's all starting to come together for him. I think not having Robert Williams will hurt, but what the Celtics did is they brought back guys who thrived for them. They brought back Al Horford, who has done well for them. They brought back Daniel Tice, who had success for them. And the big thing for the Celtics is, you know, they're they're a homegrown team. Their top three players were draft picks from 2014, 2015, and, and 2016, and, and Tatum, um, Brown, and Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, um, you know, Marcus Smart um, might be the best perimeter defender in the game right now. I think he's going to give Kyrie trouble. I think Tatum and Brown are are very good, but very good defenders. They're, you know, everybody on Boston has raised their game to a whole nother, another level. Um, I don't think losing Robert Williams, it's going to hurt, but I don't think, you know, it's going to hurt. It'll hurt, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's going to hurt about, some people might think it'll hurt about eight or a nine. I think it'll hurt about four or five. So still noticeable. But, you know, Kevin Durant is the best shot maker in the game right now. Um, plain and simple. That's what he is. He, he can make shots from anywhere on the court. He gets to that elbow um, on a high post up, you know, sweep, sweep left, sweep right, depending on what elbow he's in, pull up. You know, that's the most unguardable shot in the game right now is Kevin Durant's mid-range pull up. Um, but Tatum is, is – can get in those zones, these scoring zones, where he will be able to match Durant shot for shot. Marcus Smart is going to, you know, Boston's going to take some something else in, in playing Kyrie. You know, Boston's going to take, you know, some pride in playing Kyrie Irving. Um, I mean, but on the other side of that, like I said earlier, the, the game right now, we are in an era where these players are so unbelievably skilled on offense and in their shot making. And Kyrie Irving is one of the best. He he has a top three handle in the game right now, and he is a a top ten shot maker in the league. But you know, this this isn't going to be a, a four or five game series. This is going to be a, a six seven game series. And are KD, are Durant and Irving's legs and and stamina going to hold up through seven games? They got to play forty forty five minutes each. Um, you know, look at the top ten in minutes, and it's the Raptors starting five, and it's those two. I mean, are can the Nets supporting cast give Kyrie and Durant the the help that they need? And you know, to an extent, you know, Boston is is a more well rounded team. Boston has been the best team in basketball in the second half of the season, and you know. If, if Tatum is able to go shot for shot with Durant, if Jalen Brown and, and Marcus Smart are hitting threes, if, you know, Al Horford's able to take advantage in four on three situations where they double Tatum in the half court, um, I think this is going to go Boston's way. Um, just because of the fact that Durant and Irving will not have 
they're going to be tired in that game six and game seven, and they're not going to have, you know, Brooklyn doesn't have the help that they need. Um, if Ben Simmons comes back for those latter games, that could change some stuff up because, you know, Simmons is going into a situation. They don't need Ben Simmons. You know, he doesn't have all these expectations on him. They need Ben Simmons to fix their defense, which he is, he's an all-defensive player. They need Ben Simmons to rebound and to play make and to score in the paint when he's open. And those are all things he's capable of doing, and there's no pressure on him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some of the points you made there at the end about, like, uh, the net, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant having to play 40, 45 minutes, and if it goes to seven games, like, you worry about the stamina. Like, I was going to, yeah, that's like, I agree 100%. And that's probably the biggest reason why I'm picking Boston to win the series. Um, I have the Celtics in seven. Um, if Robert Williams comes back sooner, um, if he comes back sooner than maybe we expect, maybe game two, game three, it could even be six. I just, I really like this Boston team uh, from watching them late in the season. I think, like, you know, there's something to the fact that they have the best point differential in the East. There's something to the fact that they've had the best defensive rating in the NBA this season. I think we, we have to look at that, and I think it's real. And then as far as, like, well, is it going to translate to the playoffs? Like, yes, it's, it is going to translate to the playoffs because then, in addition, you have, you know, shot makers like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, I, I think Jason Tatum, as much as Kevin Durant, like, could go nuts, like, against the Celtics defense because he can go nuts against any defense – the Nets defense is is not is like I would be concerned if I'm a Nets fan about how this defense is going to guard Jason Tatum because I think Jason Tatum could could absolutely go nuts in this series. I wouldn't be surprised if he you know came out and average you know 32, 34 points per game, something like that. I would not be shocked. Jason Jason Tatum has that shot making ability. I mean that yeah. that's who he's become. That's what he's built his reputation on. It's the other areas of of his game that are starting to round out. But when, you know, someone's as good and as young as him and, you know, as skilled as him, that shot making is never going to go away because he's always capable. Yeah, absolutely. He, so, he's so a closer. Have, he, he is. He's a great closer. He's one, one of the best closers, you know, in the league. Um, so I'm taking Boston 7. Brandon, uh, what, what do you think? I, I'm also taking Boston 7. The Nets' defense is bad, very bad. And maybe Simmons can fix that, but there's no guarantee Simmons is playing. I, I think the, the you know the the rumor is he is going to play a little. Am I correct on that? I, I yeah, mean, the, knows, he's like... targeting a games four through six return if it makes it that long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, it's probably it's going to probably make it that long. The Nets are very good offensively, as as we know, but uh, their defense has major concerns. The Celtics are not a bad team in the slightest bit. Um, one of the higher point differentials of the NBA. I'm going to go with the Celtics in seven. Yeah, it's going to be a great series. I'm very excited. Um, so let's move on to the Western Conference. Uh, Suns-Pelicans. You know, I, I can go quick on this one. I have Suns sweeping the Pelicans. It's going to be interesting, you know, to watch, like, Herbert Jones, obviously, because I, I love Herbert Jones, like, watching him. Uh, you know, whoever they – if they put him on Devin Booker, I'm, I'm not exactly sure uh, who he's going to guard. It might probably might be Devin Booker, I guess. But that's going to be a very interesting series just because, I, you know, again, I already mentioned it. I love C.J. McCollum, uh, and I like Herbert Jones. So it's going to be fun. But I do have the Suns in four. They just have too much firepower. Um, you know, the depth, the scoring, uh, you know, the shooting. You have Chris Paul, savvy veteran. Devin Booker is probably now a top ten player in the NBA. So, yeah, Suns in four. Uh, Noah, we'll, we'll go to you on this one. No, I think you said it best. Devin Booker's a borderline top 10 player in the NBA. They have the point guard, a top two point guard of all time in Chris Paul. Um, they, their problem last year was they 
they didn't have a very good backup big, and JaVale McGee and Bismack Biombo have, have played well for them in that backup big position. Um, everybody's gotten better. Mikel Bridges is a is a all defensive um, uh, all defensive caliber defender. Um, Jay Crowder's tough as you know as all can be, um, and, and DeAndre Ayton's incredible. So I mean I think um, in case I get interrupted here in the next couple minutes, I think Phoenix. Um, it's very hard to pick against Phoenix, and if I have the choice of Phoenix or the field for the Western Conference, I think I gotta go Phoenix. Gotcha. Yeah, we could speed this up a little bit here. Uh, Brandon, what's your quick prediction on Suns Pels? Uh, I got Phoenix in four. I'm rooting for the Suns. I want Chris Paul to get a championship. All right. Yeah, so I I agree. Uh, Next series, we got Jazz Mavs. Now, a lot of people are picking the Mavericks, you know, and even with with Luka's kind of injury uncertainty here, people are picking the Mavericks. I don't agree. I'm really worried about Luka's injury. He's not playing game one. We don't know if he's coming back for game two. I get that there's concerns about like the chemistry with Rudy and Donovan Mitchell, but Donovan Mitchell's a bad man in the playoffs, so I have to pick the Jazz, and I'm picking them in six games. What do you think about the series, Noah? Um, I think you said it best. If Luka doesn't play in the series, I think Utah's going to win it. Donovan Mitchell um, has the top five scoring average of all time in the playoffs. He's just a certified bucket in the playoffs. Um, you know, I don't think either of these teams are going to make much noise outside of winning this series, but if Luca if Luca is out, I think the Jazz win. If Luca plays, I think the Mavericks win. I think it's that simple. All right. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a freight train waiting for him in uh, the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> but uh, next series, Warriors Nuggets. Uh, the Warriors, man, we we don't know. Like, is Steph going to be a hundred percent? Draymond, he has the back issue. Is he going to be a hundred percent? Like Draymond and Steph, when they were all on the floor, besides Clay Thompson at the beginning of the year, they were the best team in the NBA. So could they get back there? I don't know. I think it's very tough when you're trying to bring it all at this point in the season. I think it's very tough to do so. And, you know, I would lean toward them not being able to put it all together. But in this series, I think the Warriors will get it done. I mean, when it comes down to it, Jokic just does not have enough help. You know, he can do, you know, he can put up 35, 15, and 10 if he wants in this series. But he doesn't have enough help. Like, yeah, you know, these guys are respectable, like Aaron Gordon you know, and like some of these other guys, yeah, they're solid players. They're solid role players, but it's not enough to beat the Golden State Warriors. So I have the Warriors in six in this series. Um, I, I just I just believe in what Golden State's going on, and I think Steve Kerr will have them uh, ready to go. Brandon, uh, what do you think about the series? I got the Warriors in four. I'm going wow. bold here. I, I'm looking for this sweep. Okay. Complete sweep. Of the Nuggets. I just have too much faith in Steph. Even like a 60% Steph is better than 100%. Uh, pretty much in any other player uh, that'll be on the court that day. Um, so I, I got the Warriors in four. Bold prediction, I know. Yeah, a little bold. Warriors in four. Uh, Noah, any any uh, chance for the Nuggets here? Um, I think it can be a series if Porter um, or Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray, if, if they come back at this point. Um, I don't see the you know, for me, I don't see the good in Denver. I think Den- they have their core locked up for the foreseeable future. Um, the West is probably, you know, the West isn't very wide open this year. Um, you know, and at a certain point, championship DNA takes over and the Warriors have their championship core back of Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steve Kerr. And, and, you know, in a series like this, that's all that matters. And that's what I'm going to rely on. 
Yeah, all right. So final series we got here. It's going to be a fun one. Two young teams, a lot of talent, uh, you know, a little bit of trash talk with these teams. Grizzlies, T-Wolves. Um, I th I'm really excited for this series, I got to say. Like, it's just going to be fun because watching John Morant, I mean, John Morant's probably, in my opinion, the most exciting player to watch in the NBA. Like, if I'm, like, you know, taking out, like, the Miami Heat, you know, and any biased opinions there, like, if I'm, like, I can go and see one player play live – this year right now i think john morant's the number one guy i really do like he's that entertaining um and anthony edwards similarly with the t wolves is also a very entertaining player so very fun series here but the grizzlies have just been doing it all season 56 wins with or without john morant uh great coaching from taylor jenkins it's been incredible you have great shooters like desmond bain you have a really good defender in dylan brooks who can you know try to slow down anthony edwards you know, Tebow's have been awesome. It's a great story. I think they'll get one game, but I, I think it's. I think that's about it. I think it's going five, and I have the Grizzlies taking it here. Uh, Noah, what, what do you think? What's your prediction on this? You guys were talking about Brooklyn-Boston being the best series of the playoffs. In my opinion, this is going to be the best series in the playoffs. You have two young, unproven teams. You have two young, unproven stars in superstar in John Moran's case and and you know Carl Anthony Towns is a is a superstar as well two young unproven superstars a budding star in Anthony Edwards a budding star in in Desmond Bain and, and Jaron Jackson in Memphis I think this is going to be a, a very 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 exciting series um and in, in the end one of these you know, you know we're going to see a lot of players in the series grow up right in front of us. We're going to see a lot of guys maturing. We're going to see a lot of great basketball in this series. A lot of guys, you know, giving it their all for, for you know, four, five, six, seven games, however long this series is. But I, in my opinion, I am most excited for this series right here. Brandon, what do you think? You think uh, Patrick Beverly can uh, slow down John Morant? No, <laughs> not at all. John Morant's that guy. Grizzlies in five here in this series. Uh, the Timberwolves already won the championship. Why, why even try in this game? So be, or this could series? Back -back. No. <laughs> it could be back to back. <laughs> no, you make a wonderful fun. point, but no, no, the Grizzlies got this one. They they really do. John Moran is so good. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. Um, he he probably will be my favorite player when when LeBron puts it up. Hopefully that's never. He's kind of a superhuman. Um, so I got Grizzlies in five. Yeah, you you could be a Grizzlies fan, Brandon. That could be your that could be your team. Probably not. Probably not going to do that. But I will root for John Morant. I, I just absolutely love him. All right. Gotcha. Well, um, yeah, that's kind of uh, the first-round series. Yeah. Do you want to say something, Brandon? No, no. I was going to say, is there is there anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap up the pod for today? I mean, uh, I mean, if Noah wants to give any other predictions, like on the playoffs as a whole. Yeah, Noah, do you want to give um, like a, a formal finals yeah. prediction? No, but <laughs> no, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's very hard to pick against, you know, a Phoenix and Milwaukee collision in the finals. I think the East one through five, um, I can see even one through seven minus the Bulls. I can see any of those six teams, um, you know, winning the East. I'd be a little surprised if it was Philly, Toronto, Miami. Um, but I think um, Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn, I think, you know, whoever, you know, Milwaukee's the three seed. You got Boston as the two. You got Brooklyn the seven. Um, again, sorry to the Chicago Bulls, but Milwaukee's going to be playing one of those two teams, and I think it's going to be the same case as last year. Whoever wins that series is going to is going to win the East. I think. Um, you know, I just think Mil Milwaukee's experience. I mean, 
they've showed it throughout the year that when they need to raise their standard, they can. Um, Chris Middleson is a underrated um, star. Um, he's borderline superstar, in my opinion, just with the way he closed out the finals last year. Giannis has a 50-burger in the finals. Um, we know what he can do. I think that um, on the West, I think it's very hard to pick against Phoenix. They were the best team all year. Um, but again, you know, there's teams that can make a run. Memphis, you know, can be the youngest team to make the finals. Golden State has that championship DNA. But when you have a team like Phoenix, you know, you can compare Phoenix to that um, 2014 Spurs team. They lost in 2013. The Spurs did on that Ray Allen shot and then in Game 7. And their whole season was based on let's get back to the finals and let's beat Miami. And they made it back. They beat Miami. The way Phoenix lost wasn't as heartbreaking, wasn't as heart-wrenching. Um, but, you know, you could say that Phoenix is playing with that. They brought everybody back. Everybody's gotten better. Monty Williams was named Coaches Association Coach of the Year for the second year in a row. You have to think it's for a reason. I don't know. It's just my opinion. Um, but, you know, you have a team you can compare this to. They'll have that chip on their shoulder. We need to get back here. We know what it takes. And, you know, you have two guys in, in Chris Paul and Devin Booker who can absolutely take over games. And so, you know, I'd, like Brandon said, I'd love to see Phoenix win a title. But that's all I got. Yeah, Chris Paul needs to get one. I, I really want Chris Paul to win one. I really hope so. I really do hope so. But, well, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the pod there for today. Noah, thank you so, so much. You, of course, will be invited back. Uh, may, maybe a little recap after the, the Absolutely, wanna... absolutely. That's all right, it. perfect, perfect. Well, We'll have to get that get that done. But thank you all so much for listening. Again, Noah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for uh, having of me, Of course, guys. subscribe to the podcast. Yeah, of course. Of course, subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. Uh, go follow us on Twitter at the Small Ballers and keep up to date when uh, you know whenever episodes come out. We have the AA team with Aaron and Avery coming out Tuesday at 8 a.m. or 7 a.m. for your morning commute, uh, lunchtime, whatever it may be. That one will be great, too. Um, but with that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons.